Good evening. Hello, everyone. My name is Mark. I'll be preaching tonight, so it's good to see everyone. If you can grab your seat here, that'd be great. Okay, so we're going through a series right now called Tensions, and this evening I am going to preach on the tension between self-care and social justice. So we're going to unpack that a little bit. Uh, and then we're going to get into the Word. Um, you have pew Bibles in front of you, so I'm going to tell you uh, at some point this evening to crack into that Bible. Uh, I'll tell you the page number where we're at, so it's really easy to find. So we're going we're to get into the Word tonight and uh, see what God has for us. So um, let me pray, and then we'll jump in. God, thank you so much for this precious time that we have together, uh, this precious time to learn about you, to get into your Word. Uh, just to hear from you, Lord, and I pray that this message would be uh, something that your Holy Spirit would speak uh, through me uh, to everyone here tonight, that you have something for them, you have a gift for them, uh, something that they can take away, and I pray that you'd speak tonight. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so uh, self-care versus social justice. We have PowerPoint, friends. Usually I don't preach with PowerPoint because I don't really know how to do PowerPoint, but I just emailed it, and look at this. This is not like fancy, with a bridge and everything. I mean, I can do that, so this is, I feel like really high tech, because there's like PowerPoint, so this is very exciting for me. So, um, social justice versus um, self-care. So, uh, defining self-care, it's the care of oneself. Okay, makes sense? Self-care, care of oneself. And then, for the definition of social justice, Instead of looking at a dictionary, what I did is I, I gave Pastor Greg a text, and I said, hey, what's your one-line definition of social justice? And he gave a really good one, better than, I did look up some dictionary answers, but it was way, Greg's was way better. So, uh, his was uh, advocating for the oppressed and disadvantaged, the care of others. So again, self-care is care of oneself, and then social justice can be considered like the care of others, or Pastor Greg definition, advocating for the oppressed and disadvantaged. Good. If you guys ever need, like, you know, a reference or a, a dictionary source, you could just text Pastor Greg. Fantastic. Like, just amazing one-liners, condensed. It's perfect. So, um, there you have it. So, let's, uh, let's take a look at these tensions. So, there's the care of self versus the care of others. So, in that, it's saying that, okay, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of myself. I'm going to meet my own needs. And then there's the care of others, which is I'm going to put aside myself and I'm going to care for others. And so there's, there's tension between those. Now, being versus doing. How often are you asking someone, hey, how are you doing? And then the response is everything that person is doing. Oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing that. And, uh, and if they say enough good things that they're doing, then you're like, oh, that person is doing well. But what about their being? How are they as a person? And so this is the difference between being versus doing. And then receiving versus giving. Now, in you know, Christians are known around the world for, for their giving, for their generosity, for what they do for others. And so that's the giving aspect. And when you, when you meet other Christians, other followers of Jesus, there's a lot of, you know, like you would present or, or express kind of the things that you're giving towards, right? The way you're helping others. And, uh, 
And this receiving aspect is sometimes lost. This receiving aspect is sometimes harder to understand and to come to grips with. And so there's tension between that as well, right? This, you know, if you're constantly giving, 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 and you're not receiving anything from the Lord, then it's, uh, yeah, there's tension there because what are you giving out of if there's not a connection with your Lord, if there's not a connection with Jesus. And so you can see that there's tension between these two things, between the care of self versus the care of others, being versus doing, and then receiving versus giving. So we are going to crack into uh, your pew Bibles, okay? So I want everyone to follow along in here. I have one as well. And so we're going to together open this pew Bible in front of you. If I, I don't know if there's enough, so you're going to have to share. If you're sitting next to someone and there's only one pew Bible in front of you, then you can share with the person next to you. But we're going to actually uh, crack into the Word of God, and together we're going we're to take a look at this. So the first, um, well, let me first tell you that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share four stories with you. Uh, these four stories are all from Matthew, and uh, it, goes, it goes like this. The story, one is in the desert to the mount. The other one is on the lake. The next story is on the mountainside, and the next story is in the garden. And so we're going to work through those four stories from the scriptures, and uh, we're going we're gonna to see how Jesus demonstrated this tension, the tension between self-care and social justice, because Jesus is the ultimate embodiment of social justice, and yet he's also the ultimate embodiment of what it means to, like, to take care of himself or to connect with the Father. And so we're going to see how that interplays and how Jesus navigated through these tensions, and hopefully you guys can also get something from this. So we're going to flip to page 6. 83 in your Bibles, and I will do the same with you. So, we're going to go to page 683. All right, I'll give you a chance to do that, give myself a chance to do that as well. Page 683 in your pew Bibles. And so, this is Matthew 4, okay, that's the chapter number, Matthew 4, verse 12. And so this is what Matthew 4 verse 12 says, if we're all following along here. Matthew 4 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Another NIV translation says that he withdrew to Galilee. And so uh, what we have before this story is at the beginning of this chapter, chapter 4, Matthew 4, is the temptation of Jesus, where Jesus is out in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's tempted by Satan. He's tempted by the devil. And he's alone, he's withdrawn, and he, it's just him. It's like a showdown, a battle between uh, himself and the devil. And so through that, he's able to connect with God's word, and he expresses God's word with that. And then, uh, so he goes from the desert, and then it says that he went to Galilee. So he withdrew to Galilee. Again, verse, uh, verse 12 here, it says he returned to Galilee or withdrew to Galilee. And so uh, we see here, if, if we go to verse 13, following along in 4 verse 13, leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum 
which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. And then if we jump down, so if you jump down to verse 17 on the same chapter here, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And so you see Jesus who has just been in the desert, he withdraws or he returns to Galilee, correct? Yes, to Galilee. And then from that time on, Jesus began this ministry of social justice. He began this ministry of helping and advocating for the oppressed and the disadvantaged, back to that definition. And so what we see here at Matthew 5, the beginning of Matthew 5, is this thing called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount, if you read through this, starting with the Beatitudes, if you read through Matthew 5, 6, 7, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in here, it's like, it's like the manual of social justice. If you want to know what Jesus thought about social justice, you read through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we're not going to do that tonight, but I just want you to see how... He goes from withdrawing, being alone by himself, connecting with the Father in the desert, and then he goes to Galilee, and from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come, and then we see him going on the mountainside and doing the Sermon on the Mount. And so you see this, you see this withdrawing aspect of Jesus, and then you see him engaging and, and being an advocate for the disadvantaged and for the oppressed and explaining what does that mean? What does social justice mean? And so you see these two things playing out next to each other. So he goes from the desert to the mount. All right, now we're going to move on in Matthew 14. Uh, so that's page 692. If you can flip to page 692, we're going to do another example here about what Jesus is up to. Again, between the tension of self-care and social justice. So this is, uh, this is on the lake. This is what happens on the lake for Jesus. So page 692, we're in Matthew 14, verse 13. Is everyone there? We're good? Give me a thumbs up, everyone. Yeah? We found it? Excellent. Okay. This is important. I want everyone to follow along, uh, not, not necessarily with the slides, but I want everyone engaging with your Bibles in front of you. Because uh, this is hopefully what you guys are doing throughout the week as well, is that you're cracking open the Bible and you're like reading it and getting something out of it, right? So this is why we're practicing this together. So again, uh, Matthew 14, verse 13. It says, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Now what had happened? If you take a look at the beginning of this chapter in verse 14, um, John the Baptist, one of his good friends, one of Jesus' good friends, John, was actually beheaded. He was killed, and the disciples came to him and shared with him, hey, this is what happened to your really good friend, uh, John the Baptist. Now, this is the guy who actually baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. And so, Jesus hears this news, and what does he do with this news? I mean, this is really, really difficult news for Jesus. I mean, it just shows his, his humanity. Um, and, he, I mean, he must have been devastated, right? Like, wow, like, John, one of my good friends, was beheaded in a brutal, brutal death. 
And what does he do? He says, when, he, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And you see, so you see this, this tension, right? Like Jesus is, is doing a lot of things, like, you know, healing the sick, doing ministry, and he hears this difficult news. So he doesn't bury himself in like doing more things. He, he withdraws and he spends time privately. And I just imagine him on that boat, like what do you think he was doing on that boat alone? I would imagine him connecting with his father, that he's just, you know, I don't know if you've been on a boat before, whether it's like a rowboat or a, a sailboat or something. There's something peaceful about, you know, in the water, bobbing. Uh, it's like serenity. It's peaceful, whatever it might be. Uh, and so I could just imagine him just withdrawing after hearing that news uh, and having like, you know, what I would call like a heart-to-heart with the Father, uh, where Jesus is expressing like, man, this is like really hard news. I heard that, you know, my, one of my close friends, John, is dead, and, you know, this is what's going on. And so he's connecting with the Father. He's connecting with the Father. He's, he's re-engaging with the Father, and his identity is grounded. As, uh, the foundation of his identity is in the context of his relationship with the Father. And then, listen to this. The verse goes on in verse 13. It says, uh, and in verse 14, it says, uh, hearing this, hearing of this, of Jesus going like alone in a boat, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And so these people are looking at Jesus in the boat and they're just like waiting for him to reach the shore so that he can continue doing what Jesus does, which is healing the sick and casting out demons and doing his ministry. But you see this, you see this, uh, Jesus is demonstrating this, this ability to connect with the Father, and then he comes to shore, and there's something refreshing about his relationship with, with the Father, is that, he, like, after connecting with him, he has compassion on the crowds, and he continues to do ministry. He heals the sick, and he, uh, yeah, he heals the sick and has compassion on them. And so we see this, uh, this is how Jesus deals with this tension of, of self-care and social justice. All right, moving in the same chapter here, so we're going we're to stay on the same page. Um, now we're going up, uh, so that was on the lake. Now we're going on the mountainside. L- listen to this story here. So this is, uh, this is on the mountainside. This is page uh, 692. We're still in Matthew 14, going down to verse 23. It says here, uh, After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Okay, so what just happened before this? Jesus feeds the 5,000. If you look at the heading at the top of the page here on page 692, it says Jesus feeds the 5,000. And so, again, Jesus is doing something where he is giving. He is doing something where he is helping others. And then, what does he do? He withdraws to the mountainside by himself to go pray. He needs to have this connection with the Father again, that he's constantly going back into relationship with the Father. And so I'm, I'm driving this point across that, uh, you know, how often are we doing things yet we're not spending time connecting with the Father? 
And so Jesus, I think, is showing us here in these stories, in these scriptures, about how even he himself, fully God, fully man, uh, is, is taking this time to withdraw and to pray and to connect with the Father. And so uh, we're down at verse 23 here. He went on the mountainside by himself to pray. Uh, then it says, later that night, he was there alone. Now, this is really important. He was there alone during the evening, connecting with the Father on the mountainside right by the lake. All right? So now we're going to jump to page 710. So we're going to jump to this story in Mark. I, I had to preach something from Mark because I just love that name, right? So... Uh, all right, so page 710, Mark 5, following along here. Um, I'm going to read this, uh, I'm going to read this story out um, so you guys can follow along, um, just so you get the context here. Uh, so Mark 5, at the top of page 710. Uh, listen to this story. So again, Jesus, Jesus is in the mountainside. He's praying. He's there for the night, Okay. And then this is what happens. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out from the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones." When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirit came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake, and they were, and, and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off, reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw a man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told people what had happened to the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting in the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so, this is, a, this is an amazing story in itself about this aspect of social justice. There's this person that is in bondage. There's this person that is completely disadvantaged, is possessed by an evil spirit, or many evil spirits, like a legion of them, and Jesus heals this man. I mean, this is, again, this is the embodiment of social justice. This is the embodiment of advocating for someone who is disadvantaged, who is oppressed, in this case, by a demon. And so, 
we see this, this amazing act of social justice that Jesus does, but let's, let's go back to Jesus on the mountainside at nighttime, praying by himself and listening to what the Father has to say to him. Now, I've been to this area in Israel um, and where Jesus went up to the mountainside and to where this demon-possessed man was, not a huge distance. And I don't know if you've been on a lake or by water, but like, uh, like music travels across a lake. Like noises travel across a lake like you wouldn't believe. So uh, my wife's family has a cabin on Harrison Lake and I don't know the distance between where this cabin is and the other side of a lake, but every summer on the other side of the lake, um, there's like, uh, like party people that come, they drive their pickup trucks to this beach and they pump music and it goes to like 4 a.m. in the morning. But you can hear like, you know, sometimes if the wind's right, you can like actually make out the songs. Like, oh, I know that song. Uh, and it's like, I mean, this is, a, this is quite a distance away. So, I mean, noise travels across a lake. And so, if you were to s understand the context of the, the Sea of Galilee here, uh, there, where Jesus was on that mountainside praying that night, let's look at this one verse here. It says, in Mark 5, verse 5, it says, Night and day, in the hills, he would cry out, this demon-possessed man, legion, he would cry out. And so, I wouldn't doubt that while Jesus was praying on that mountainside during the night, that he would have heard this man crying out, yelling and crying out, this demon-possessed man, this oppressed man crying out. Jesus would have heard that call, and then he would have been like, you know what? I'm going to go respond to that call. I am going to go across the lake, and I am going to do an act of social justice, and I'm going to respond to this man and I'm going to heal him and cast this demon out. And so, uh, again, you see the importance that Jesus is demonstrating of connecting with the Father. And this is a challenge for each one of us. Um, how often are we doing things or involved in social justice, um, but we haven't actually heard the cry? We're not necessarily responding to the cry of those who are oppressed, we may be involved in social in aspects of social justice because we think it's the right thing to do. And that's fantastic. But what Jesus is demonstrating here is that he actually heard the cry of, you know, someone who's oppressed. He heard the cry of this demon-possessed man. And I think there's a lesson in that for us. There's a lesson that when we are able to connect with the Father, when we are able to spend time with him, that maybe he will tell us, hey, I want you to go over here, and I want you to give in this area. I want you to respond to these needs here. I want you to uh, go serve in this area of ministry. And this is coming out of a place of receiving, receiving and then giving, of self-care and then social justice, of being and then doing. And so uh, I love this example. And then listen to this here. If we were to uh, if we were to look at 5, verse 15, if you can follow in Mark 5, verse 14, uh, 15, still in page 710, it says, sitting there, like this demon-possessed man was sitting there, dressed in his right mind. If you can just look at that verse right there. Sitting there, dressed in his right mind. Because this guy was just running around naked, 
cutting himself, yelling and screaming, you know, he's possessed by a demon. And then all of a sudden, he's dressed in his right mind. And if you were to rewind just a little bit to Mark 4, verse, verse 38, this is really interesting. While Jesus is going to this area by boat, it says, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, okay? Which is uh, in itself just a remarkable thing because there's a storm, uh, the disciples are freaking out, and Jesus is sleeping on a cushion. And it's like, like why, why would Mark, the author, uh, you know, the person who wrote Mark, why would Mark say, like, you know, that Jesus was on a cushion? Why is that important? And so, you know, this is, this is maybe a guess, an educated guess, I don't know. Uh, but I have a feeling that while Jesus heard that cry of this demon-possessed man, that he actually took something practical. He probably grabbed some clothes, and uh, he used that as a cushion, some clothes, because, I mean, what boat, you know, in the, in the first century there has, like, cushions in it? I don't know. Uh, and so I bet he grabbed some clothes, and he was, like, sleeping on this you know, pile of clothes, like using that as a cushion. And then when he got there and healed this man, that he gave him these clothes. There's something like really practical about it. And then he was, you know, it says immediately after this that he was dressed and that he was in his right mind. And so this is, uh, this is just, uh, like, this is why I love the word, right? Like the word can come alive. Like as we dig into scriptures, as we read the word, these things can pop out. The Holy Spirit can speak to us while we're reading this text. Uh, and that's why we're following along with the text as well. So yeah, again, Mark 4, verse 38 says, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. And uh, I think that's connected to this man sitting there dressed in his right mind and how Jesus was prepared, uh, prepared enough to serve this man and to do something practical for him. Because uh, social justice, there's a lot of practicalities to that, right? It's, it's you're doing, you're doing things, you're, you're, you're serving a cause in social justice. And uh, so, again, Jesus demonstrates how to do that, uh, but it's out of a place of connecting with the Father. All right, uh, next slide here. So we've, we've uh, seen Jesus in the desert to the mount. We've seen him on a lake. We've seen him on the mountainside, and now we are going to look at him in the garden. So we are going to jump to page uh, 703, so back into Matthew, page 703, and this is in Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verse 36. Give you a chance. I still hear some flipping of pages. So, again, page 703. That's chapter 26, verse 36. It says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. We're just going to, I'm just going to read this. Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And they began to, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell to his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch for me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray, 
so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Referring to Jesus' death on the cross. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and he went away once more and prayed a third time. Saying, to the, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And so this, this is a very interesting story here when we're comparing self-care uh, along with social justice. Because what Jesus is about to embark on after this is the biggest, most profound demonstration of social justice, which is dying on the cross, resurrecting, so that he has the ability now to connect us to the Father. It's, it's amazing. It is the ultimate act of social justice, that he did that so that we as sinners, as people who are oppressed, people who are in bondage, people who are uh, in, in captivity, would be freed would be uh, set free and to have the freedom to relate to a father who loves us so much. And so this is, this is setting this all up. This is like the ultimate demonstration of social justice for us. That, I mean, we wouldn't be here talking about this if it wasn't for Jesus and what he did on the cross and how he was resurrected. And so, yeah, this is super profound. And, uh, and what does Jesus do before this, this really you know, amazing yet grueling and torturous death that he was about to get into, he went to the garden and he prayed. He went and he connected with the Father and said, hey, like, he was honest. He's saying, hey, I don't want to do this. This is going to be really, really hard. Like, if there's any other way, like, please let me know because this is going to be painful. But I'll do this, God. I'll do this. Because I know that this will help free others. This will help forgive their sins. This will help bring people out of bondage into relationship with God. And so uh, he connects with the Father during this time. And the most interesting part about this passage is what the disciples are doing. Okay? Now Jesus tells them, like flat out, he says, he says hey guys, this is, uh, this is really important to me that you guys stay watch. This is really important to me that you guys... Uh, that you stay awake. He said, uh, going a little further, he fell his face to the ground and prayed, my father, sorry, let's rewind here. Then he said to them, the disciples, my soul, this is in verse 38, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. I mean, he's telling his disciples, like, this is, like, this is probably the most difficult time in my life. Like, what is about to happen here is super challenging. If there's any time that I need your support, disciples, like, if there's any moment that, like, you could just, like, help me out, this would be it. And what do they do? They're so tired. They were so exhausted. They couldn't stay awake. They were just exhausted. And this happens three times. Like, it's a reminder, like, hey, guys, like... Again, uh, really important that you stay awake, keep watch. Like, you got to do this for me. Three times, right? Disciples fall asleep. 
They're so tired. And what do we get from this? What, do we, what can we draw from this? There's this thing called compassion fatigue. I don't know if anyone's heard this expression before, compassion fatigue. Uh, it often happens uh, for people who are, who are in the helping profession, whether it's a, a counselor, whether it's a pastor, whether it's, uh, you know, a nurse, whether it's whatever it might be, a doctor. In, those who are involved with people in the helping profession, uh, social workers, etc., there's this thing called compassion fatigue where there's so much giving, there's so much demand of their time and their energy that they reach the point where they are so tired and they can't actually function properly anymore, that they've given so much of themselves that they're completely depleted and they have nothing in them anymore to give. And so, I don't know, maybe this is what's happening with the disciples, that although they were hanging out with Jesus for, you know, these three years of ministry, I mean, they're, they're kind of nomadic, right? They don't really have a home. They're traveling with Jesus. They're doing ministry stuff. They're seeing crazy stuff, right? I mean, like, you know, demons coming out of people. They're seeing, like, legitimate healings, like people, like blind people seeing. They're, I mean, they're, every day they're interacting with this, like, this mind-blowing reality of what's happening in front of them, which is, like, the kingdom of God is coming, and, and, and God is doing stuff, and it's, like, really amazing, and they're like, wow, like, this is so cool, and they're constantly going, 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 giving, 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 and then right at the end there, when Jesus needs them the most, man, they're tired. Man, they're fatigued. Man, they can't stay awake. And there they go. They fall asleep, right? Maybe there was a little bit of compassion fatigue happening for them, that they were giving so much and doing so much uh, and maybe not spending enough time taking care of themselves, maybe not spending enough time connecting with the Father, understanding that they're spiritual beings and that they need that connection in order to continue to give. And so this is, uh, yeah, this is, I find this a super interesting story um, when we're comparing self-care and social justice, looking at the disciples and how they were sleeping. And so uh, I wanted to end this way by talking, uh, asking you a question here. Um, This is the next slide here. Are you a human being or a human doing? Um, And I'm not going to give an answer out because I want you to think about that. I want you to think about whether or not you're a human being or a human doing. I was just about to give the answer, but I'm not going to. That's something for you to wrestle with and to live in the tension of that. Are you a human being or a human doing? Which one do you identify with more? If I were to ask you, like, You know, if I were to look at your week and, you know, look at your behaviors throughout the week, are you a human being or are you a human doing? And so this week, I want you to wrestle with that. I want you to hold that intention and to look at what you're you're engaged with, the behaviors that you're engaged with, and ask yourself that question. Are you a human being? Am I doing this because I'm a human being or a human doing? And so I want to close with this, Um, John 5, verse 19. So this is on page 754. I want everyone to turn there, page 754 in your Bible. I promise you this is the last last, uh, Bible flip we'll do here, page 754. 
So this is John 5, starting in verse 19, page 754. Verse 19, it says, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. And then this next verse is amazing. It says, for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. I'm going to read that again, both verses. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. And so in this, I think it's a, I think it's a huge indicator as to what Jesus demonstrated and what he would like us to also demonstrate in our life, in our spirituality. And that is, out of the connection with your father is what is, is your doing. Out of your connection with your, with your heavenly father, out of that place is, you know, social justice, is serving, is uh, giving of yourself. And so there's a receiving of his love and there's a giving of his love. And this is super important because sometimes we miss that. We miss this receiving aspect, and we're constantly giving. Now, I want to share a story with you. Um, back in the day, I, uh, I was really involved with, like, a lot of things in church, and uh, I was, like, the yes guy where I would say yes to absolutely everything. Uh, it's like, hey, Mark, uh, do you want to do, do this? Yeah, sure, of course. Hey, do you want to hang out? Of course. Hey, do you want to preach? Yes. Do you want to serve in kids' ministry? Yes, absolutely. Do you want to be a youth pastor? Sure, absolutely. Do you want to serve uh, on the campus? Yes, absolutely. Do you, I mean, the list went on. Do you want to coach volleyball? Yeah, I'll do that. Uh, and so, I mean, I said yes to, like, everything. And I was not connecting with the Father, I was just doing, 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 and I burnt out. There was, I guess, compassion fatigue that I got so tired, I got so depressed that, like, I was literally miserable. Like, there was anxiety in me that, like, when I would wake up in the morning because I had so much to do that I was, like, gripped. Like, I could feel the anxiety right here that as soon as I would wake up, like, my heart rate was, like, probably higher than normal. I'm like all right, uh, I got all these things that I've committed to, and I got to do them, and all right, here we go. And at the end of the day, I'd be, like, super tired, and I, I never got anything done. Like, it was just, like, there was a list of things to do, and I couldn't, like, do them all. And then I'd be like, all right, well, maybe tomorrow will be a better day, and I'll get, I'll be more productive, and I'll do more. Uh, and I wasn't, I wasn't taking care of myself. I was burning out. And so, uh, again, this verse talks about this, you know, how, how Jesus connected with the Father. He only does what the Father is doing. And I was doing what everyone else wanted me to do. And I wasn't connecting with the Father. And so it's just an example, uh, just a personal example of how, um, how important, like the lesson that I learned was, man, I, I need to nourish my relationship with the Father. I need to nourish uh, and receive from the Father, like daily. Otherwise, 
I started running the rat race. I started doing and get in this zone where the more I accomplish, the better I feel. Or the more I accomplish, the more others will view me as a better person. I mean, there's, it, it's a cycle, right, of, of doing, doing, doing. And if we're not taking care of ourselves, then it, it becomes problematic. We burn out. It's compassion fatigue. And I want to end with this last verse here. Um, I don't need you to look it up, but someone asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And some of you may know the answer to this. It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And so then Jesus also says, and second to this, the second most important commandment is love your neighbor. Okay? Does it end there, love your neighbor? See, we have like the loving God, you know, connecting with the Father. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And then we have this, you know, that's like the self-care aspect. And then you have this, and love your neighbor, right? Loving others, giving, you know, doing stuff for others. But there's a little, and sometimes we miss this. There's a little thing after that, love your neighbor. There's two words after that. And it's love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, as yourself, yourself. And sometimes we miss that. Sometimes we miss the importance and the weight of that. Because we're loving out of a place of being loved, of loving ourself, and loving, and that, that's not selfish, by the way, that is not selfish, of loving ourself because of the love that we've received from the Father. And so next time we think about that or run across that verse, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Think about that. And so, um, yeah, let me pray, and, uh, and we just, let's open our, our hands, uh, get the worship team up here. Um, I just want everyone to close their eyes and, like, open their hands like this to, uh, as, like, a posture of receiving, um, so you just close your eyes. I'm going to pray, and I, I'd love everyone just to open their hands like this, uh, just to receive what the Lord has for you. So God, we thank you so much for uh, what you've done on the cross. We thank you so much for your resurrection, Lord, that uh, you want to give us life, um, that everything that we have from you is a gift, and that we receive that, God. We receive your love. We receive your forgiveness. We receive your Holy Spirit, Lord. And I pray that uh, as this message is thought about this week, as we interact with your word, Lord, that we would receive through your Holy Spirit something uh, unique, something special, something profound from you, Holy Spirit. And that we would position ourselves during the week, Lord, to receive from you, Holy God. That we would, uh, we would open ourselves up. We would take the time to, uh, whether it's on the mountainside, whether it's in the desert, whether it's on the lake, whether it's in the garden, that we would go to places where we could receive something from you, Lord, just as D Jesus demonstrated for us. And so, Lord, uh, out of that place of connecting with you, I pray that we can give, we can share your love, that we can be engaged in social justice, and that we would not be fatigued. We would not fall asleep or burn out, Lord, because we're receiving deeply from you, Lord. So I pray that you would give us something and that we would receive this gift from you tonight, Lord. Amen. As part of that receiving, there is communion up here, and this is something that we receive from the Lord as a gift. 
that we remember what he has done for us, that we acknowledge that, and we receive that as a gift. So there's communion up here. There's also people to pray for you and to receive prayer from someone. So, so please take that opportunity as we sing and close tonight.